Welcome to PD Podcast, where we talk to interesting people about interesting things going on in the Elyria schools. Now your host, Amy Higgins. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to PD Podcast on a beautiful day in September. Hi, Marty. Oh, it is beautiful. It is. You have no windows, but I know you were outside because I caught you going in and out twice. Yeah, but sometimes so. you just, <laughs> you know, you're thinking about other things. and No, it's like a perfect fall day today. It's sunny. 75. It's not very hot. Wow. It's mid-70s. It actually is. Yeah, very, very nice. And we're very excited. We have a wonderful guest in studio today. I have to say, this guy is one of the students' favorites. You do know that, I hope. This is uh, Mr. Jeremy Seacar of Elyria High School. He's one of our amazing teachers, a very high-level teacher, in fact, at the high school, deep content. Um, and he's here for a very special reason today. But Jeremy, you know, you're one of those teachers that students talk about forever. We hear that about you. Anytime we talk about favorite teachers, we ask people, who do you remember? Who made an impact on you? When we've interviewed students on our podcast, your name always comes up. How does that make you feel? That's He's kind speechless. of weird. <laughs> um, speechless. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's speechless, I guess. Um, I mean, it feels very nice. Um, but also, you know, there's a part of me like, me? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, you've... Um, you have, uh, and I think uh, our superintendent told me once too that in talking with you, um, you make a, a real point to teach the children, teach the students until they get it. Like it's not just about, um, for you, it's not just about like conquering a subject um, on the curriculum map or something like that or meeting a timeline for when you're supposed to teach materials. You're teaching the students until they get it, correct? I'm trying to. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and, and it's hard with, you know, with 20 students in a room, to, you know, like you can't always know exactly where everyone is at every minute, but the the aim is to build real understanding instead of just like, let's get through this. Yeah. Now take us on a little journey of your history in Elyria schools, because I would like you to talk about um, when you came, how you got started and how you ended up teaching um, the courses that you teach now, which are very advanced. I got my bachelor's degree in astronomy a long, long time ago. And then, and I, I decided that I didn't want to pursue something like, uh, you know, a PhD or whatever, which had been my original thought when I entered college. And I just changed my mind about that over time. And I wanted to do something that felt valuable for humans. And, and of course, doing science is valuable for humans, but it, there's more separation between the work of a scientist and the outcomes for humanity. And I just felt like I wanted something with a closer connection between like, I'm doing good for the world in my day to day life. And, and so right after college, then I started a master's degree program in teaching. So a year later, then I 
finished my second round of school and got my first adult job uh, at Illyria Schools. I think when I showed up to my interview was the first time I ever set foot in Illyria. Oh. But that was, uh, this is still my first grown-up job. Um, <laughs> and I enjoy it a lot. And and so, you know, they needed a physics teacher. Um, the There was a physics teacher who we knew was in his final year because he had already submitted that he was going to be retiring the year after my first year. So I knew after my first year, I was going to be like the physics teacher. And so that's what I've been doing for 24 years. Wow. And so teaching was not your first, um, your first mission, I guess. So how, how did you, was that a difficult transition from being a student to the teacher? I mean, I, I think for anybody learning to become a teacher is a real challenge. Um, but it definitely wasn't something that I had in mind. Um, you know, people who know me outside of my classroom, at least, like, and Amy, you know, we've known each other for a while. And, you know, like, I'm sure you're aware, like, I'm a pretty introverted person. And so teaching never struck me when I was younger as something that I would want to do. You know, why would I want to stand in a room full of a <laughs> bunch of other people and talk to them all day? That sounds exhausting. It is exhausting. Well, it's but, not but it's just a good talking <laughs> to them. Like instructing them. But, you know, it didn't strike me as something that I would want to do. But when I was finishing my bachelor's degree, I just started rethinking, like, the the early education that I had gotten in physics and, like, is there a better way that we could do this and maybe I should be a part of that. And so, yeah, I decided to move out of my comfort zone and try it and I like it. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, if you're not a, a naturally science minded person, topics like that, if you're a student can be very intimidating. I know they were for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, and so the teacher and the style of teaching really can make the difference between um, a student who may not just be naturally um, gifted in that area um, or naturally drawn to that area the style of the teacher, the personality of the teacher, the way they bring that subject to life for the students could completely change their opinion on their interest in science or higher level content areas. I know that's something that students have told us about your teaching style is they really connect with you and you do a great job of of making that material relevant to them. So um, what, you know, as you look at that from a teacher's perspective and, you know, looking at how, how did you take that difficult content, as you pointed out, and, and turn it into something that became fun and something they could connect to? You do that every day for 24 years, but you yourself said that that was something you wanted to do was do it differently. I, I think that there are some people in the world who are physics professors or teachers who have a very narrow view of what physics is and what physics can be and who physics is for. And 
I don't see things that way. And, 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 you know, I'm not alone. There are a lot of physics teachers who, who are, are looking at things the same way I do, but, you know, like looking at physics as, um, and, and in colleges, physics a lot of times is like one of those weed out courses. Like we're going to make this really hard just so that you're miserable so that you realize <laughs> that you don't belong in whatever. That's major. what I would it's think like, of physics. Yeah. It's like boot camp in science. It's like a thing that uh, students that aren't like uh, wanting to achieve these ultimate goals in math and science yeah. uh, don't even try right. because they think something like physics is going to be so hard and so ridiculous mm-hmm. that they don't even go that far. Right. And yeah, historically, like there have been, especially in colleges, and there are some great professors in colleges for sure. I've had some, but like in a lot of situations, physics is looked at as this gatekeeping course of like, we're going to make this really hard for you. So you realize that you don't belong here or, or, you know, just like pushing people away. But I think that physics and not just physics, astronomy was, you know, that was my major, um, you know, so many sciences, like, I think physics is fascinating and beautiful and interesting. And like, I can find out so much about myself and the world. And it's just really cool. And like, why wouldn't I want to share that with people? Why would I make them feel bad about it? Mm -hmm. Well, let's do this. Uh, How do you explain to a layman what physics is I, th- I think when we're little kids you know we always ask why and we annoy our parents yeah. <laughs> and if, you know and being a parent now I re- you know like my parents were tired and busy and they'd worked all day and I've asked 75 why questions in the last <laughs> four minutes and so you know like there's a you know children are curious and they want to know everything But then, you know, like the realities of life, you know, like adults are always squashing that in in kids in a lot of unintentional ways, usually, you know, like I'm tired and I've got to cook dinner, so please don't ask me why. And, And I think that physicists are the people who just never gave up on persistently like, well, why? Why is it like that? So we're really annoying in that way. Um, and, 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 that, and that's the joy of, you know, just being curious and finding things out um, that I think is at the heart of doing physics. What would you think, what would you say to someone of what to expect from your physics class? In my physics class, I mean, I certainly want to teach physics and, you know, like using the tools of physics and thinking about the content of physics, but also I know most of my students are not going to be physicists. Some of them are. Like I have several students are physicists or, you know, in physics related careers. But, you know, if I've got a room full of 20 students, most of them are not going to be scientists when they're adults. And so like, what do I really care about them taking away from this class for 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Isn't about like, you know, can I 
can I regurgitate Newton's third law or something like that, but about reasoning skills and like ways of knowing, you know, like somebody tells you something is true. Like how do you evaluate whether, whether you should believe that or not? And, you know, like thinking skills and, and also just, you know, like finding out that you can do things that are harder than you thought you could do. And those are the things that I want students to carry when they're out of my class. And, you know, like, so the things that are most important for everybody aren't physics specific. And physics is just the, the mechanism for how to get those lessons through. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's, uh, we, Marty and I interviewed one of your students, um, I guess two years ago now. Um, it was. Oh, Ethan Trampish, I bet. Ethan. Yes. Yes, it was Ethan. And one of the things that I remember that he said just mirrors exactly what you just said. And it was, we asked him, um, what advice do you have for students going into school? You know, you're going out. What do you, what do you have to say to them coming in? And he said, don't be afraid to challenge yourself. When you get to Elyria High School, there's so many opportunities for you. Don't be afraid to try those advanced courses um, because the teachers will, will see you through. You just, you got to work hard, do your work, but don't be afraid of them. And I, I hear that in what you're saying now. Mm-hmm. But that's, um, that's very powerful. And, and I want to say that's probably one of the reasons that uh, one of many that you earned a very prestigious recognition um, recently. And we haven't really been able to celebrate it. Um, Marty did a great video with you on uh, Pioneer TV on YouTube, our sister channel over on YouTube. You'll find a great video about Mr. Seacar and his award of the, the Presidential Award of Excellence in Mathematics and Science Teaching. You earned that award in 2019, correct? Or 2020? The award was for the year 2019. That's when I applied. Oh, I see. Uh, but it's a long process. Yeah. Um, like I know my friends who are finalists in 2021 are still waiting mm. to hear, you know, it's, it's like a year and a half to two year process most of the time to actually find out like who gets the award. So, uh, I officially was, uh, was selected as an awardee in 2020 for my application in 2019. Yes. And then COVID hit and we Mm -hmm. weren't able to celebrate it and you weren't even able to celebrate it um, in person until recently. Yeah. (laughs) So talk a little bit about what that process was like. Like what did you have to do um, to even um, be in the running? And then when you finally, you know, got the chance to go and um, be there and receive the honor that, that you deserve what was that like? Well, first in 2018, in the summer, um, Illyria Schools uh, invested some money in me and paid for me to go to a leadership training in 
Tempe, Arizona, at Arizona State University, um, where I, I was learning how to lead some uh, workshops in the particular teaching pedagogy that that I use. And so now I like I lead workshops for other teachers in the summers. And at that leadership training, I met a bunch of other like just amazing teachers, um, multiple of whom are still like they're now my closest friends. Um, and I also met a, a professor there, uh, Dr. Jane Jackson, uh, in the physics department. And, and I had like known of her from afar, but, uh, she then nominated me, Dr. Jackson nominated me for the award for 2019. And at first I thought, well, that's really nice, but like, I can't win this. Like, I don't, you know, I, I didn't see myself as somebody who's like worthy of that kind of award. And so I was not going to apply because like, it's a really hard application. You have to submit a 30 minute video of your teaching and write a lot um, about what you see in the video and what you don't see in the video. And like, it, it's a really grueling process. And I'm like, why would I go through all of that if I'm not going to get anything out of it? Yeah. And of course, so I, I changed my mind and, and decided, you know, like maybe for once I'll let somebody else tell me, no, you're not good enough. Instead of me telling me I'm not good enough. And, and, and also I discovered while I was going through that application that it turned out to be some of the best professional development I've ever done because to do the writing that went with that, like I had to evaluate like the why behind every little thing that I do. And I just, I did so much self-reflection on what do I do and why do I do it? And, and I learned a lot about myself and my teaching just in doing the application, but also um, one of my close friends, one of the friends who I met in Arizona that previous summer, who still is one of my very best friends in the world um, in Massachusetts, uh, also was applying for it. And, and you know, that, we, that wouldn't put us in competition because each state has its own awardee. And so we were both applying and, you know, like I would be working on it and like, oh, I, I want to give up on this. And, and she would tell me like, no, keep going. And, you know, and like she would give me feedback on my writing. And then, you know, then she would be like, oh, I can't do this. I'm going to give <laughs> up. And I'd be like, no, you can't give up. You do this. Um, and so we kind of like shoved each other through the you application process. <laughs> right. You are worthy. <laughs> so we, we both, you know, pushed each other through that process and we, and we both ended up as finalists oh, wow. um, for, for 2019. Um, and, and she's a finalist again for 2021. Um, she's, I think she's a better teacher than I am, but, um, or at least, you know, like all the things about myself, like, I wish I were better at that. Like, she's better at that than I am. <laughs> so we make a good team then. Um, so she's a finalist again for 2021, and hopefully we'll, she'll hear soon. But uh, but then in, so I found out in June of 2019 that I was a finalist. Like, that comes pretty quickly. That comes from the Ohio Department of Education. They select up to three finalists. 
um, well, up to three for science and up to three for math, because there's a math awardee and there's a science awardee. Uh, so the state is a big indicator of what you're going to do, because, you know, they give the uh, three people for each. So, you know, if they choose you, you have a third, you know, 33% chance to, to win. Yeah, yeah. So of all the applicants, and I don't know how many there were, um, but of all the applicants then, Ohio Department of Education went through those and selected, like, these are the ones we think are are worthy finalists. So they send that off to uh, the National Science Foundation runs this program for the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. Mm. So the award officially comes from the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, but National Science Foundation then goes through the finalists and, you know, and they get together a group of professors and educators to evaluate like the science content and the teaching content of the application. And then National Science Foundation makes a recommendation to the White House and then the White House makes the final decision about whether they will accept or choose somebody else, uh, the, the, the recommendations from NSF. So, so that's a thing that I really, that's really impressive to me about that award is that you have to be selected by your state department of education and the National Science Foundation and the White House, mm-hmm. and and so that process takes a long time. And actually, I think NSF was pretty quick about it, but the White House is always the slow part. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. <laughs> that's very. Uh, detail the the process is um, pretty extensive and uh, so over you said the state the state piece comes pretty quick but like how much time span you know span between the the rest of those stages till you actually found out so I found out in June of 2019 that I was a finalist and then in the last week of February and first week of March I think in 2020 which you know, just one week later March is when the whole world shut. Yeah. March. So he found out 20, a finalist 20. in June. And yeah. then in 19. He won. I'm just saying that was uh, March 13th. We all. Oh, yeah. that's oh. right. Yeah. So, so I got two emails yes. like two weeks before and one week before the whole world shut down. Oh, one yeah. email oh saying like. We're preliminarily suggesting that you might be the awardee, so please give us like this additional information. Fill out, you know, like, uh, you know, fill out these forms, and another for an FBI background check. And then everything shut down, oh and so goodness. then I'm like, I don't know if they were like on the verge of doing something or if they. And and I've heard from others who have won in the past that like there's always a delay between like background checks and stuff like that until the announcement. But then, you know, like nobody was thinking about that, like after March 13th. And then I got an email in July, in that summer of 2020 saying, congratulations, as long as you don't 
spill the news too early because you know like they want to make the announcement oh the announcement for sure comes from the yes House. and so <laughs> if you say anything beforehand then maybe you won't win this award after all yeah so you know like, you don't tell anybody lame. yeah um i think the only people who knew were uh, uh just my wife i think oh um, wow i didn't even tell my kids because like they wouldn't <laughs> know enough to keep their mouths shut yes and <laughs> they're kids. They right. have loose and, lips. And of course, like I had a list of <laughs> like in what order am I going to tell other people mm-hmm. after that? And when one of my friends texted me like during the announcement because she saw it posted on on the internet, she's like, "You didn't even tell me. Like this is how I find out." And I'm like, "You were at the top of my list of people to tell." <laughs> when I was parents. permitted, I was going <laughs> to tell you before I told my parents. <laughs> But well, then uh, by that point, it's like you don't communicate with anyone anyway. You're isolated in yeah. the corner of your bedroom. Hey, kids! I won this great award. Yeah, I can't tell anyone else. But right, your daddy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Two years from now, I'll go. I'll we'll be able to celebrate it. <laughs> well, it was announced then in August sure. of 2020. Yeah, but you know, like. Getting Everyone the biggest so award of your life on a Zoom call is kind of uh, yeah. kind of a letdown. Yeah, but. yeah, but you did go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this past May, got to go to DC and spend three days there, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, what do they do? What What's the celebration like or the recognition process when you're actually there? We spent a lot of time in meeting rooms, like talking with. Uh, like Department of Education officials and Office of Science and Technology Policy officials. Um, I think because they they see an opportunity like, oh, we've got a bunch of great teachers here. Let's pick their brains. Mm -hmm. See, why? (laughs) (laughs) You could have just like, yeah, just slammed them with a bunch of whys. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, we're never having them back. (laughs) So we we also had just a lot of time to like network with these other awardees from the other states. That's fun, yeah. Um, and that that was a really a really great experience and and we had we had a really fancy dinner our first night there. It was at the the National Portrait Gallery. So like we got to just walk around to the National Portrait Gallery for a couple hours and then we had this fantastic dinner in like in the courtyard area. Yeah, the place looks really cool. I yeah. I researched it when I was doing the video, and I, ah, oh, that's an awesome place. Yeah. Also, I got to stay in a hotel that's way nicer than I have any business being in. <laughs> yeah. Did no. you steal the soaps and the I shampoos? Didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? Oh. No, man. You need or the a robe. robe. <laughs> <laughs> you could have had, like, presidential award <laughs> on the back, like, embroidered or something. Yeah. I got this at the White House. <laughs> I did get official White House chocolates. Ooh. Yeah, which they're just Hershey's Kisses, but, but you know, it but says White have, House on the package. I, so. Yeah, does it in a little flag inside says property of the, the president? Um, is it's it just, a bag or is it like on each individual kiss? It's like a, just a little cardboard package that folds closed and holds maybe like 
10 Hershey Kisses or so. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, afford, it's special really. special wrappers on the Hershey Kisses and, like, the president's signature is on the little cardboard box. And oh, that's cool. Like, I'm definitely going to keep the, the box. Yeah, but you ate yeah, the kisses. if you live long enough on eBay, you can get quite a bit <laughs> off that product. There you go. <laughs> well, I did get an extra box of chocolates that I haven't opened yet, so. Ooh. Oh, you opened the one that... Oh, yeah, we my wife and I ate those when we, were, <laughs> when we were in D.C. Okay. Well, good for you. So now, like a wedding cake, you can eat that other box like a right, year from your anniversary of your... That's right. A lot of people don't know about that. That's sort of weird you brought that up, too. What, the wedding and cake? And he knew right away. Oh, who doesn't yeah, know about that? the top of your wedding cake. I think that that's yeah, pretty, pretty standard, isn't it? Uh, my kids I did didn't that. know about yeah, it. Yeah, I think everybody yeah, does so that. Well, your kids, they've, kids now, they probably don't do that stuff, but we're old. Well, they don't get married either. <laughs> right, or we're old. Kids. We we huh. freeze the wedding cake, eat it in a year. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, that's awesome. What a great story. You also, um, during that same time, I think, or around that same time, um, you presented at Harvard in a workshop series, yes? Yeah, online. Was that it was, online? It was okay, you're right. Summer of 2020. So all of it was another yes. Zoom call. Another. <laughs> we all know about Zoom. Yes, right. Zoom, zoom, zoom. But that was um, that was related still, to improving high school physics, right? Physics education and. Yeah, I was part of a group, um, working. So like two different scales of like how big is the group? There's like a core group of. 15 or so high school physics teachers just working on a project of, you know, like what can we do to improve the state of physics teaching for everybody across the country? And, and then like, there's a larger group of people who had come to, you know, like weekend zoom calls and, you know, like where we like, we've got this, you know, like, so that core group, we would, you know, like line up, speakers to talk about their work and or to talk about you know methodology of teaching and so then you know like a larger group would show up to those meetings monthly or so and to come to a a summer conference with you know like 100 200 teachers all on zoom um and and what does a physics teacher do from 15 of the top physics teachers what conclusion did you guys come to to teach people physics? <laughs> well, that's really hard because, you know, that's not a consensus. Yeah. Um, and, and so actually, uh, sadly, I had, to, I had to leave that group earlier this year just because I had too many things going on and, like, and I had a, a difficult recovery from COVID in the winter and got into a car accident mm. and you know, I had all these things going on and like, I can't do everything. Like a I have to let go of something. involved in that stuff. Oh my. There is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. But I had to, I had to let go of something. And so, so I had to leave that group. And then of course they have a, you know, like right after I leave, they did have like an on-campus meeting at Harvard Aww. this summer. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your car accident. I'm glad you're okay. That's, Scary stuff. Um, Maybe. Is, are you okay? I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, in appearances, sure. I would say yeah, he looks like good. He's <laughs> in one piece. Yes, he looks good. Um, so as we, as you uh, you know, we got through. Speaking of COVID, because you know you can't, you want to just move past, but clearly it was it made a huge uh, impression on all of us, and mm-hmm. um, but it changed teaching for a lot of people. I mean, and there were not always. Um, bad things that came out of that in the way of teaching. I think I've seen our educators in Illyria um, really kind of move forward like by leaps and bounds in the way they communicate now and in the way they um, interact with the kids and the options they give kids for turning in online assignments and what do you think was one of the I better takeaways I guess or learned lessons from COVID as a teacher I, I think one of the most important things was that because everybody had to just pivot so quickly like it, it led to evaluating like what do I really value and what can I let go of and and maybe some of those things that I thought I valued, but it turns out I didn't really need them after all. Um, like I, I think that it, it helped teachers get a clearer sense of like what really matters to me in my teaching, and 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 also like the need for flexibility mm-hmm. in everyone's lives um, because you know like things that we can't plan for are going to happen anyway. And, and just recognizing that that happens to teachers and to students and that we all have to give each other the space to just be a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's such a great um, observation is just the really assessing what has value in your life and where you want to spend your energy. And um, that was probably the biggest takeaway for me too, because, you know, you look at your balance of work and life and things are, you know, in your face and you're confronted with what um, the important things are. And and, um, I'm glad that the, it's been nice to see teachers um, hang on to some of those things, even now when they, don't necessarily have to because they have the kids in front of them every day but they're still doing um you know their google meetups and special classes and google classrooms and letting kids have a little more flexibility with how they deliver their work and probably Mm -hmm. less paper too huh sometimes (laughs) yeah i still when i'm doing physics there's so much drawing Mm -hmm and sketching and like so much stuff that does not work nearly as well on a computer or a Chromebook. So I, I still strongly prefer working on paper when I can. You know, there's some things where I don't need paper. But Physics is very abstract. It's one of those things that you can't really digitize it too easily to get it across. It's so many things, right? Because yeah. I, I wish you. Could I, I feel like we need a like a one hundred and one on physics right now. Like yeah, what? Like, like what is physics? Yeah, if you I go think. into a physics class, like what are you going to be confronted with? Because <laughs> like when I was in your class, you were talking about 
electronics. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I have a background in electronics and, you know, electric uh, circuit and things of that sort. Um, but I didn't, you know, put physics and electronics together. Uh, could you give like a basic description to a, someone who will never take a physics class? Mm-hmm. I didn't take physics. Mm-hmm. My son loved it. Um, I but, tried and I, I thought it was going to be something some really cool and it, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but some Sorry. people find it very easy uh, that they just get it and then others. Yes, um, I was the other. Yeah, or like Amy. <laughs> yeah. She did that in a lot of Can you of make it so. like Amy proof? <laughs> <Like, laughs> what was it? Uh, math? Um, English, I did master English. <laughs> Oh, English. Oh, English was the one. The See, one saving she, grace. Yeah. The rest. Uh, yeah, the rest she, was she not so good. But, but yeah, I mean, I did go into a college course on physics thinking, oh, this is really awesome. I read the course description. It sounds really great. And the name of it even had a fun name. It was like the flying circus of <laughs> physics. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is made for me. I'm going to try it. And like within a week, I was like, oh, this is horrible. What? Say it again. <laughs> the flying circus of physics. And I was like, I this must take that. Course. I'm picturing acrobats and like, yes, it was and then like you know it was not at all what I expected and I did not survive it even for probably a week or two but Mm -hmm. but you know like you have these kids coming in and they might feel pretty intimidated by the the topic or the subject matter so what how would you describe it if you had that little opportunity to write a course description what would it be and that that is hard because people have not just Illyria, but, you know, like everywhere in the world, people have these preconceived ideas of physics is this hard, scary math thing. Um, and that's not how I look at physics like we were talking before. But, you know, like that's a, a barrier to overcome. And, and especially like because you were saying that like you ran into one of those courses where you're <laughs> like, we're going to make this as hard as we can so people mm-hmm. are miserable. But it didn't sound then like Why did they give it that name? Very, like, come on. <laughs> That was such a trap. Well, just from the, from the name of the course, I can guess what college and uh, who the professor was, but I don't want to. I don't want to. I know. I, I won't spill the beans she had either. A very good degree from a very good college. We don't want to say anything yeah. bad about her college. But uh, but as far as like what is physics like, and and it's such a broad range of of topics. But I would say like fundamentally. It's just about like the interactions of the things that make up our universe, which, and when I say that, like, well, that sounds like everything. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, like we can, you know, we can zoom in on all kinds of different aspects of that. Um, you know, like, like the most common starting point for learning physics is about, you know, learning about motion, but you know, physics isn't just learning about motion, but that's the most accessible starting place because we can make observations, we can see things happening, and we can start building patterns that describe what we see. And, you know, just building a structure for how do I describe the world around me? 
So motion is like a natural starting point for that. But then, you know, and then the, like their gravitational interactions, you know, like I dropped my keys and they fell down the sewer grate and, you know, I want to understand more about that. Yes. How um, did they make it down that hole <laughs> when they could have just landed on the cement right next to it? They always find the worst possible yeah. spot yeah. to fall. I know. Why? Yeah. That is, is I am asking why. Because, you know. The way teams. I think of physics is uh, being able to apply a mathematical equation to life, everything in life. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, um, although that it's interesting that you say that, especially with an, an experience I had earlier today with one of my AP courses, um, because you know, like writing mathematical relationships is one of the many tools that we use when we're doing physics, but it's not the only tool, and and something that I, I try really hard at with my classes is to see those mathematical representations as one of the tools, not the tool. And, and in one of my AP classes this morning, some people were trying to solve, you know, just trying to figure out an answer to some question. I don't remember exactly what the details were, but they were trying to solve it with this algebraic equation. And, and we had the conversation like, you can solve it that way, and it will work, but also if you just sketch this thing that we do on a regular basis, you know, and then they can see like, wait, if I just do this other way of looking at it, then like it's something I can do in my head, or I can solve this piece of algebra that I have to stop and think about. And so, you know, like different tools for different situations and, and like equations are just one of the many tools. Okay. I like your class already. It's way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's other ways, people. <laughs> there are other ways. <laughs> All right, I can get too deep. I don't want to. Well, you say know what though? Else. What you're describing, Marty, is interesting to me too because I, my brain doesn't function that way. Um, I'm visual, and I like the way you just described it. Like you can draw this and that it'll tell you what you need to know about the motion of this or the interaction of this or you could do it this way where you write out a long equation well I'm never probably going to choose that way because mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't get past the first two digits but but what I like about what you were saying Marty is you know you know to your brain knows to push that button on that mixer to make the volume go up or go down or change your levels or whatever without even really thinking about it. So like just the um, miraculousness of the human brain, even though you may not be a science person or a math person or categorize yourself that way, you are a computer calculating things all day long, every day. You might just not be asking yourself well, how did my brain know to push my finger to push that button to go up? And what does that look like if I, you know, were to, you know, put that on paper and calculate how that worked and the time it took? It, but um, so what I'm saying is we're all walking uh, wondrous beings that, that have these um, abilities and maybe just haven't thought about it. And 
I think I'm going to agree with you, but at first it's going to sound like I'm disagreeing with you. <laughs> and, it should. And, yeah. and, and, and maybe you're aware that I wear, like, I wear nerdy t-shirts every Friday. Um, okay. Just because. We've all got that. Um, yeah. yeah. I, but uh, when I was at the, the Paimst Awards in May, um, one of the awardees, uh, math awardee from Pennsylvania, wore a t-shirt underneath her jacket that said, uh, like, the, the, it's just a black t-shirt with the words, you are a math person. Ah. Because, like, everybody mm-hmm. can be a math person. And, and, like, and we can decide for ourselves, no, I'm not, and, like, shut off that part of ourselves. But, like, we all think in different ways, like mm-hmm. you're saying. Well, that and does so, sound like a math person. <laughs> what? Just the the, what the person who wears a math t shirt. <laughs> yeah, that says I'm a math person. No, she I says mean, you're no, says a, math you are a math person. She's uh, telling you that you're a math to person. Get and, you to right. You might not know yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So like I Amy, gotcha. you know, like your brain maybe works in a in different ways than my brain works, but like that doesn't mean you know that you know, so like maybe the way that we approach doing some math could be different but we all all can in the end right maybe (laughs) um i don't know (laughs) jeremy's answers but maybe (laughs) i don't know things um i watch fringe a lot lately (laughs) but but i think that's important to the you know like all of us in some way you know, like we can do mathematical thinking, we can do scientific thinking, even though the way you do it might not look the way that I do it. And and that's like what I was saying about, you know, like things yeah. in my class, like there are different ways of doing things. And it's not necessarily, you know, like that this is the better way than that way, or like this is the way real science people do it or the way real math people do it. And so I think like when adults communicate to students, that like, this is the real way to do math. Like there are so many other creative ways that we can do math and and seeing like my children's math work, like there's a real emphasis now that wasn't there when I was a kid or when you were a kid on like, there are different ways of knowing Mm -hmm. and like this way works and that way works. And you know, like find the way that works in your head and, you know, so hopefully, you know, more people, because like, I, I feel like the idea of, you know, like not being a math person or not being a science person or, you know, like students in school, like, are like, I don't think anybody's explicitly saying this to them, but, you know, like, I can't be a math person because I'm a language arts person. Like, you can be an everything person. Like, you know, like we can choose to find things interesting and adults can help students see the value in those things and their ability to do those things or hopefully what's not happening is adults can, you know, shut them off from that. Well, I think, um, I love your observation of math today for kids because I have children that are in elementary and middle school. So they're, they're learning math in different Mm -hmm. ways. And I like that, one thing I've always that I've been surprised about and pleased about when they bring their math homework home is the different strategies that they are taught 
And then they're allowed to pick the strategy that's the one that works the best for them. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, and I know I've heard this from many parents, that they can't even help their kids with their math homework. It's, you know, because why are they teaching it this way? Why didn't they learn it the way I learned it? Well, I can relate to that. I mean, I learned it one way as a kid. A lot of us did. Mm -hmm. You learned it one way. But then I, you know, sitting with my kids and watching them do their homework and seeing the strategies play out on paper, I think, gosh, I wish somebody would have shown me those Mm -hmm. other strategies because, you know, maybe I would have gravitated to the one I do now, but at least I would have had other tools like to pull from, you know, like maybe I might've wanted to use a number line in this case, or maybe I might've wanted to, you know, those didn't seem to, maybe they were, and I just don't remember it, but I don't feel like those were options when I was a kid. I don't remember those as being options Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And I think that that also, like, I I feel a lot of empathy for for parents who want to be helpful to their children, but, like, I don't understand the way this math is being presented to my kids, so I don't know how to help. But also, when we think about, like, how many parents see themselves as like, I'm not a math person. Mm -hmm. I struggled with math and I hated math. And like, when we don't want to communicate that to our own kids, how and, many of those so like, parents are there? Well, I, like, I, I do that. I'm yes. terrible at math. I can't help you. Right, I find like myself the, doing it, yeah. Like, with better approaches mm-hmm. than, you know, like maybe, you know, the, the generation of kids who are in school now learning all these different, you know, like, oh, I could use a number line, or I could use the standard algorithm, or I could use this other strategy. Mm-hmm. Like, those kids are a lot more likely to be able to see themselves as having a place in the world of thinking mathematically and to see themselves as a math person. And so, you know, like generations down the line, you know, hopefully we have at least fewer parents thinking like, I don't know how to do any of this, but also, you know, in the meantime, like I would love to see, you know, like more ways to help parents understand what math their kids are doing. Mm -hmm. I think the most important part of that is shifting our thinking about both math education and science education away from here's how to get the answer. Mm-hmm. Like, cause honestly, you know, like who cares about any of the answers from our math classes or whatever, you know, like here's an equation solved for X. I don't care about X. And so instead of being focused on getting the right answer, mm-hmm. being focused on the reasoning of like, what can we do with this? And, you know, like, why would somebody want to, why would somebody want to do this particular piece of science or piece of math? Mm-hmm. If a student is taking a test, then, you know, like there's something about that answer that shows the teacher something about what their thinking is. but. But what I mean about, you know, like who cares about an answer is like where we want to put our focus of learning is not like I'm going to show you a process to get a bunch of right answers. And that's that, Mm -hmm. you know, like let's think about why this math is relevant or why that science is meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I've seen with my own kids they they seem to be really um gravitating to math, which I'm really happy about because 
you know, I think it was an intimidating subject to me growing up. And I don't feel like I'm the greatest um, helper at home because um, I still find myself kind of getting, getting prickly when they, you know, want to like, mom, can you help me with math? And I start to sweat and my, I'm nervous and I'm like, okay, I'll try. And, you know, I'm getting YouTube this ready in, past, in case right? I have mm-hmm. to like Google how to do something. But, um, but I do, um, I do appreciate that they are able to make it relevant to them. And the teachers do a great job of that. Like, you know, they'll say, um, you know, one thing we love to bake in our house and, you know, they'll find excitement in doing the measurements and applying it to something they're learning about fractions um, in school or seeing the relationship between, oh, yeah, I've seen those at school. They're called fractions or, you know, um, and, you know, kind of making themselves aware that a third of a cup means, you know, three times and that makes that cup or whatever. I don't want a third of the brownie i want a full brownie so <laughs> i don't right. like fresh we're not splitting it in thirds in this house you get but the anyway, full <laughs> it's like we can get we can go on forever with this stuff i know i it is really fascinating though because i feel like um you know i love to hear from a teacher's perspective um that advice for parents that they don't have to be intimidated and don't transfer that to your kids even mm-hmm. you know unknowingly a lot of us do that anyway but um it's important to be aware of how you're presenting um you know the idea of working in subjects and stuff to kids too mm-hmm. So, Jeremy, before we um, close our show, because we've kept you here for quite a while today, but what's going on with Academic Challenge? Are you still overseeing that? I am. Um, I work with Matt Daniels on Academic Challenge. Mm -hmm. We partner on that. Um, So we have uh, coming up in the fall, and I don't think we have our schedule yet, um, but in the fall we have uh, a league that we participate in with weekly matches against other schools around this area. Um, In the winter, we will have uh, the Scholastic Games Tournament on WEOL. And hopefully this spring will be the first time in a while that we actually have our staff versus student match again. Because that Ooh, one's always matching intellect. <laughs> yeah, that would it, be good. It's, it's fun <laughs> to to watch the uh, you know like to watch the students and the teachers do that in a way that you know like because they get very competitive about I'm it. Sure they do. The students <laughs> really want to beat You're their teachers. Be teaching me, <laughs> and the teachers really want to beat the students. So I, That's yes, funny. I would think that too. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to keep us posted on that so we can come and cover that one. Yeah, that, that, that would fun. be fun to watch the teacher yeah. versus student, even more so than um, like basketball the basketball game, game or, or something. Yeah. yeah we, we've uh, yeah. done that in the past, but then, and, and last school year we wanted to do it, but then, you know, like everybody was just so stressed last yeah. year. And, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, I meant to do that. But yeah, we're getting we're out of time. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, next year. 
Well, that's exciting. Keep us posted on that. That sounds like fun. I know we'll um, hear from you when the um, team goes against other teams for academic challenge. And Mm -hmm. we've just had so much fun talking to you and, um, you know, on this topic. And I hope you'll come back. Sure. It seems too confident that you might. Well, it's like maybe. I'm just not that interesting, but okay. We could get a little smarter. The president thinks you are. The White House thinks you are. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jeremy. Sure. Thanks, everybody. Be one with the universe. You are a mathematician. Remember that. (laughs) 